totally. I, I've said this before that um, I'm amazed at teachers who um, actually aren't Christians and who are, who are doing this work because I rely on my faith so much throughout the day. Growing me, stretching me in my faith, um, just through like their joy, the different way of seeing the world. Um, I can just learn so much about different cultures. I think I'm lucky because I get to work with so many different students who are from different countries and speak different languages that I see a lot of um, like God's creation through my students. So that's a really big blessing as well. Welcome to season one of the Upward Student Voices podcast, an initiative of Upper House. In this season of the Upward Student podcast, we focus on faith, work, and calling, and how as students, we can live these practices out in our time on campus and after college. Our podcast is designed and hosted by students for students. We interview leaders in the work and faith movement and local practitioners who integrate work and faith in their careers. Upper House, a center for Christian gathering and learning, we welcome all who long to explore the life of the mind and the questions of the soul. We desire genuine transformation for ourselves, our campus community, and the world. You can learn more about Upper House on our website at www.upperhouse.org. Be sure to follow us on social media where you can find us anywhere at Upper House UW. Welcome everyone. My name is Jack Anderson. I am one of the interns here at Upper House. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Rachel Zika. Rachel is a UW-Madison graduate. Of, currently she works at Madison West High School as an English teacher. We're going to have a little conversation with her now. Uh, Rachel, do you just want to give us a little background uh, what, what where you're at now, kind of career-wise? Sure. So right now, I am a teacher at Madison West High School, which is right down the street from the UW campus. So can you just kind of start and elaborate on how did you come to faith? So I grew up in what I call more of a culturally Catholic family. Um, we went to church um, mostly and like prayed before dinner and prayed before bed. And so I definitely grew up believing in God and had experience talking with God. And then in middle school, high school, I was a really involved person. And so I was doing like sports and clubs. And so church on Sundays just kind of started to slowly get lower and lower on my priority list. And so I definitely thought, you know, my faith is important to me, but I didn't quite know what that mean, what that meant. I was confirmed when I was a senior, which for me at that point meant, yes, like God is real and God is a part of my life and I want to dedicate my life to him. And I think that is really where my like knowledge of the Lord stopped. Um, I didn't quite... I never really read the Bible on my own. I didn't quite understand the gospel, which I realized when I went to UW-Madison. So my sister was there already. She was a junior when I was a freshman, and she had gotten involved in a college ministry. So when I was a freshman, she invited me to join a Bible study for my dorm. And I was like, sure, you know, like 
I wasn't against it. I just, it also just wasn't my, you know, main priority. Great. Sign me up. And it was at the very first Bible study where one of the leaders asked me, okay, I know this is morbid, but if you were to die tomorrow, what percentage would you be sure that you would go to heaven? That question, the very first question just rocked me. I was I was like, wait, I don't know. And I remember I wrote on the card (laughs) 99.9%. So I was almost sure that I was going to heaven. And so my leader, like the next time she followed up with me and she was like, okay, Rachel, where is this 0.1% of doubt coming from? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm a good person. I think God loves me. Um, but like, how do you really know? And it was pretty much through that, that we realized I didn't really know and understand what a saving faith in Jesus really is, like the core of the gospel. I wasn't able to explain it. I started going to that Bible study more. Um, and it wasn't until that winter of my freshman year that I went on a conference through this um, college ministry. And that's when I heard and experienced the gospel for the first time where it really clicked. Um, And that is when I was like, yes, I'm all in. I'm surrendering my life um, to Jesus who um, died for me on the cross and paid for my sins and also was resurrected for me to have new life through him. And so I was, that's when I was, went all in. And so then I had the rest of my college years, um, to really grow in my faith. What was one thing that you really like a memory from college doesn't have to be within ministry kind of that really just sticks with you and makes you smile to this day? I actually, um, me and my friends joke that we are too nostalgic about college. We're always like, (laughs) it was the best time of our lives. And so I think I just look back and I'm like, it was all good, even though I know that's not true. I was definitely stressed throughout it as well. Um, (laughs) I think the opportunities that I was able to have. So for example, I went on a summer mission trip and I got to work on the boardwalk in the Jersey Shore in New Jersey for 10 weeks. And the following summer, I got to go to Tanzania. And so just these incredible experiences that I never would have thought, um, you know, I would be able to to go to these places. So that's a, a highlight for sure. But just kind of more about your education here. What did you uh, study uh, when you were at UW? Yes. So I went in my freshman year, actually um, undecided, which I hated that term for a major. Like I remember at all of the orientations, I had a big sticker on my chest that said undecided. And I was like, I hate this Right. I said I was still deciding. Right. But after my freshman year, I it didn't take me long to realize that um, I did have a passion for English and for eventually education. Um, I actually didn't know. I did not plan at all going into college. I didn't know that at UW-Madison, they had just stopped a secondary education undergraduate program. So they used to offer it where you could be a secondary education teacher, which means, you know, sixth through 12th grade instead of like elementary. 
I thought I could do that in four years. And then I get there and then they tell me that, um, no, that's actually a graduate program now. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing grad school. <laughs> so I, I, in my undergrad, I studied English. And then I also got a certificate in educational policy studies. Because that way I was like, well, I can learn more about the educational world. Um, and while I'm studying English, which is um, the core content area that I teach. Do you see any other uh, education in your future? Or are you good where you're at? Yeah, well, I actually, in undergrad, I had said, you know, it could be cool to teach for a good amount of years, get that classroom experience, and then maybe I'll go into like administration since I had an educational policy background. And now that I'm, I've been in a school for, this is my fourth year teaching full-time, I just laugh at that. I really respect administrators. But, oh, man, I would not want to. They mainly work with adults all day. And I think one of my biggest joys is that I actually get to work with young people. And so um, I have since changed my mind. And I think I if I continue with education, you know, for the rest of my life, it will probably just be as a classroom teacher. (laughs) Uh, What grades do you primarily teach? Are you more freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, full spread? Yeah, it's a little bit more full spread the way that the English department works out um, where I work. So I have had ninth through 12th graders um, so far throughout my experience. Um, And I should also add that I am an ESL teacher. Um, When I did do grad school at UW, they offer a dual certificate program. So I got my master's in English and in English as a second language. Some of my classes, I teach sophomore English. Some of that, I teach um, literacy skills for students who are learning English. And lastly, I'm also involved in a program called AVID. Um, It's a program that helps um, students who may need that extra support um, to do well in school and then eventually apply for college. And the cool thing about that is you're with the same class all four years. So it's an elective that they take. So I had them since they were freshmen and this year they're juniors. So next year they're gonna be seniors already. Um, You feel like a bit of a a school mom now after that? Yes, definitely. It's really fun. I have pictures on my phone from them when they were freshmen and I show it to them and they were like, oh my gosh, that's what I looked like. And so it's really fun. Um, So overall though, those are all the, the main roles, the classes that I teach. Did you have any experience teaching or within the field before uh, working at Madison West? So I didn't actually, I have a a crazy story where I totally recognize God orchestrating it beautifully. Um, But in some ways I feel bad because I had a very simple um, transition from college into the workplace. I actually did my student teaching my um, last semester of grad school, I did it at Madison West. And I just fell in love with the school um, while I was student teaching. And then my cooperating teacher, so the teacher that was hosting me in her classroom, she was actually leaving that year. That was her last year. And so a position opened up and I was able to swoop in. And so I've stayed there. Um, So I've only actually really taught full-time at West. So it's a kind of unique experience. You're, you're at Madison West. 
let's just walk through a day at Madison West. What is, what is your role besides an English teacher? Do you do any other functions or how do you see yourself slitting into or slotting into the workflow that's there? Yeah, um, well, I'll answer the, the second part of your question first. I'm also, um, so since I'm in the ESL department, that means, you know, I teach some English classes and some classes um, primarily for English language learners, but I'm also um, the ESL testing coordinator. And so there's some tests that ELLs have to do in the beginning of the year and the end of the year. And so I do some of that um, more like administrative type tasks um, in that way. The first part of your question, what does a typical day look like? Uh, my answer to that is something, um, you know, that can be good or bad at times, depending on how I'm feeling, is that there is not a typical day. Um, when you're teaching and you're working with young people and with all the different events and just everything going on in your classes, I feel like every day is an adventure. But yeah, so the, I think the typical day is always it's high energy. You're on your feet a lot and it does make it go by quickly, though. At the end of the day, I'm like, wow, today flew by. Um, so usually that's a good thing. I was I knew going into this profession that I did not want to have just a desk job where I was sitting all day. Um, and so for people who don't want that, uh, teaching would be good for you. <laughs> The, one of the biggest challenges of teaching is figuring out how to work with or reach students where they're at when you might have an expectation for them or the curriculum has an expectation for them. And when they're not meeting it or meeting your expectations right away, um, I think anyone's, you know, kind of selfish prideful, more like flesh, you know, sinful response is to be angry, to be upset at the student, at that person, um, because they're messing up and they're not doing what you want them to be doing. And so I think the challenge then is actually realizing, no, like my job is to, you know, teach them and help them learn and help them grow wherever they're at. And so if they're not here yet, okay, let's figure out where are you at and let's get you there um, as best we can. And so it's not me wanting them to change. It's me changing my expectations. It's me doing the work, you know, they have to be there. I'm the one, it's my job. So if they're not getting it, you know, instead of me like blaming them, I have to kind of swallow my pride and figure out another way to approach the situation because ultimately I'm the adult. And so I think that's something that I've really had to learn. And it's taken, you know, I'm not perfect at it still. And it's taken, you know, four years plus of, of figuring that out. I'm sure you see your faith playing out in that just constant patience that you need to have there and the, the loving heart that you've got to have with students that are just so hesitant to buy in. And if only they understood that it'd be easier once you actually buy in and like, we can work together on this. We're not enemies here. Totally. I, I've said this before that um, I'm amazed at teachers who um, actually aren't Christians and who are, who are doing this work because I rely on my faith so much throughout the day. I think just praying for students, 
um, I think praying for myself when I'm feeling tired or frustrated, like you said, it's a lot of patience. And I think the biggest example of the gospel that I see on a daily basis is like spring of grace that I need to keep um, pouring out to students that, you know, if they don't do an assignment or if they're not listening or if for whatever reason I'm, you know, hurt or disappointed in them, um, that the very next day, you know, I need to not hold that against them. I need to forgive them and just give them more grace, give them that, that opportunity to learn uh, from their mistakes. And so it's definitely grace every day, even when um, I don't think they deserve it. I think that's the thing where I'm like, wow, I am judging them or I'm thinking they don't deserve this grace, but that's exactly what the gospel is. Like, I don't deserve grace. Like, um, so I think it's a really good reminder. I definitely see them growing me, stretching me in my faith, um, just through like their joy, the different way of seeing the world. Um, I can just learn so much about different cultures. I think I'm lucky because I get to work with so many different students who are from different countries and speak different languages that I see a lot of um, like God's creation through my students. So that's a really big blessing as well. How have you seen like in Madison in what's typically called a post-Christian city, being a Christian working for the, for the, for the public education system? You know, that has, that has been a challenge. I think early on when I first started, I actually went in kind of naive, you know, a big part of my motivation going into education was, ministry-based. Like when I was in college, I did a high school um, like youth group that the college helped out with. And so I was like, okay, great. I can like talk about Jesus with teenagers. And I think I was thinking I could do that somehow um, with my students. And I just like quickly learned that, yes, there has still been some sweet moments where God actually has provided time for me to, there's been a couple of times I've been able to pray with or over students or pray with coworkers. Um, so that's a really cool thing. But I also, for the most part, realized, oh, like I can't just come in and assume everyone has, you know, my same um, beliefs. And actually a lot of people are at a public school because they don't want to hear about beliefs, right? That was a thing I think that shocked me. I was like, well, if we talk about Christianity, we can talk about other beliefs, like that's fine. And then I've had some cases where some there's some students and some staff and just some community members who um, are actually really like strongly against Christianity. And so um, learning to um, like figure that out, um, how I can respect authority, um, and try to represent Jesus as best as I can while, you know, not actually, you know, talking about him. So that's been a challenge. You just touched on a common thread that we've heard in a lot of these podcasts and conversations that we've had within upper house staff and people in the workplace, um, which is like a lot of college students come out of the college ministry experience focused, so focused on evangelism that 
it, it almost takes the front seat. I'm not saying that evangelism is something that we don't have to be vigilant for, but how do you think that you figured out that transition of, I'm not just here to evangelize, I'm here to do my job to the best of my ability and glorify Christ with it? Yeah, that idea of being a steward of of everything God has given me, including my where he's placed me in this West community. You know, I tried and I think God still just used it. You know, I tried and messed up, right? I was my first year. I actually, there was something that I had always heard of high schools doing. It was called See You at the Pole. And it's a national event, like one of the days in September where some high schools have students and staff who come out and they pray over their school, like a blessing over the school year. Um, and they do that at the flagpole, like before school starts. And I was like, oh, this seems like a cool thing. And now I'm a teacher at this big school. Like, I'm sure I could find people to come and, and pray. And so I, like I said, naively, a whole staff email invited people to this thing and then just got a lot of pushback on it. And, you know, I was crushed at first because people, um, like I said, people were kind of talking bad about it. I kind of, you know, got yelled at by my principal and I just thought, oh no, like I'm a new teacher. My um, reputation is going to be shot. Like people are going to think I'm like the weirdo. Um, and I offended some people. And that's when I realized I was like, wow, Rachel, like you are so worried right now about your reputation um, versus Jesus's reputation um, through this. And so I really had to learn to let go, like realize I'm going to make mistakes. And the, and the cool thing is, is that even though there was a lot of pushback, I also got to meet some other believers at the school who said, hey, who came to the event or who said, hey, like, you know, I support this, like, it's okay. Um, from that, there was a small group of us that once a week after school, we would pray together in a classroom and we would just pray for our students and our staff and our community. Um, so that was a really cool thing that God used um, my kind of foolish boldness in a way. And then since then, I was able to, to repair the relationships with the people who were offended and now you know we we talk and and we're okay now I think I guess maybe that was an example of what you said is the the common thing of college students going into their workplace and just going for it yes evangelism is you know what Jesus has commanded us to do but it, it can look different than maybe what we expect or what we learned when we were in a college ministry it does take a long time to build relationships my whole first year and even second year, I was still getting to know my coworkers where we had to slowly move beyond like just talking at lunch. And then eventually it was a couple of times like going out to eat afterwards or getting coffee together. And now, you know, four years later, some of my coworkers are my really close friends, um, but it does take a long time. So I think that's an important thing for people to remember or, you know, young graduates, just remember, relationships take time. College students build relationships really quickly, I think, um, because you're all together in the same season, yeah. you know, living near each other in dorms or in apartments. And so relationships form really quickly. And in the workplace, it happens a lot um, more slowly. And so I think just like giving, that would be maybe advice is, 
is that it's okay. It does take time. You have to invest. You have to be willing to be the one to start asking questions because sometimes people aren't going to ask you questions. Like it took me a lot of the times reaching out to people and inviting them and no one was inviting me to things. And it's not that it was you know, cruel intentions. Everyone's just busy and at different seasons. And a lot of them are way older than me. How, like, how do you view the world differently working with students that are obviously growing and figuring themselves out? One thing that our culture promote this really prescribed path for success. And I see so many different students with different, you know, learning abilities and language abilities and um, just passions and, and the route, the paths that they take even in high school are all so different. And so I think I'm learning that there is not that, you know, cookie cutter way of getting all a, you know, the, the pressure that we feel that these young people are getting is, you know, all A's plus, you know, being an amazing athlete, plus being the president of student council, um, plus being the star of the musical and just all of these super high expectations um, saying all of these things that will get you into college. And then you do all those things again, you know, competing in college, and then that will get you into a job. And then you do all those things again, competing in your job. And I just see, you know, through even the students that I work with, how, you know, some of them, that path is not for them. They're going to be a part of one club, or maybe they um, just have to work and, and help support their families the whole time that they're doing school and they're not able to do these extracurriculars. Um, but it's okay. They're, they're loving and they're serving their families. And some students are going to go to like a community college, you know, they're going to go to MATC for two years, and then they're going to transfer to a bigger, you know, UW school. There's, there's different options. There's different paths. Um, some students, and you know, even after this year, like some lost a lot of credits and some of them are going to have to take one more semester. You know, we talk about a fifth, you know, a fifth year for most universities and, you know, some students have to do that. And I, I think me going through high school, I never realized, oh, there's kids who, you know, who maybe aren't graduating along with me, but but they were able to get into a job, um, you know, as a carpenter, and they were making more money than me um, by the time I graduated out of college and had a ton of debt, right? And so I just see a lot of possibilities um, that there's not just that one path that students have to take. So if someone is getting into the field of education, I, I know I've met a lot of students that are want to get into this. Um, what advice do you have to them? What courage could you give them or what words of encouragement? You know, I would say don't listen to whatever, you know, culture may say about teachers. I've heard it's it's kind of weird because I've heard some culture, it, I think it depends on what circles you're in or urban or rural um, environment you're in. But sometimes I hear people just praising teachers and saying they deserve more money and all the stuff that they do. And then sometimes I hear in stories and in media how 
teachers are lazy and, and all these things. And so I think, you know, don't pay attention to any of that. If you want to go into an education profession, try it. And I think the beautiful thing about the educational world is that there are a lot of different roles. Most people automatically think of just a classroom teacher, but, you know, someone could try that and that might not be a good fit for them. Um, but there's also instructional coaches and student support staff and student advocates and counselors and all, um, all of these different roles within a school. You know, we have some people who are like partnered with us. Like, for example, my AVID program, there's people who work for the Boys and Girls Club who are tutors for kids who come into my classroom and help tutor the kids. If anyone's somewhat interested in the educational world, I think looking into all the different possibilities that are there because classroom teacher um, isn't the only option and that you know you can consider other things that might better um, you know fit your strengths Uh, what's your, what are you most excited for? What possibility are you most excited for, say, in the next five years? Well, I'm going to finish up one more year, and I think it's kind of exciting. I actually don't know what the future holds um, for me with teaching. I think I felt a lot of pressure when I first started committing to this for the rest of my life. I think most people think of, you know, kind of like what you said, your mom has been doing this for 28 years. People, when they're young, say, yep, I'm going to be a teacher forever. It's nice. I've kind of learned that I love it. I have found that, you know, my my strengths, it is my skill set to be a teacher, but that I do have other, you know, passions or skills, and it's okay if I don't do this forever. I'm not saying that's what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. I, I'm going to see after this next year. I always initially said I would go in and, and give it my best try for five years, and I'm amazed that it's been um, almost five years already. And so after next year, I don't know, I, we want, we might move and I might, you know, work at a, another high school wherever we move to, or I might take a break from teaching. So I think just kind of giving myself permission and, and I would want to give other people permission, permission that you can try something and, um, it's okay. You don't have to commit to whatever career you studied for in college. You don't have to commit to that forever. Yeah. So the future is the future is open, which is exciting. Yeah. And I used to, I used to not think that that would be me. I was very much, I'm going to be a teacher forever. <laughs> yeah, and that that's almost more promising to a student in undergrad that might be questioning, okay, I've put these three years, four years into this major. I don't like it a ton. I'm not in love with it. Like I used to be. And there's, there's freedom to take that and be flexible with it. And it's really just knowing who you are and letting yourself kind of dream and let those opportunities come to you. Uh, what, what would you say to them in order to prepare them for life after college? Like what would be your kind of parting advice, elevator speech? I think ministry wise, the thing that was hardest for me was transitioning from my role, my identity as a student in a college ministry, going into the church and seeing how ministry in the church is different and trying to find my identity there, figuring out, okay, you know, I'm starting out a, a new job. How do I fit into this church? I'm, 
you know, what are my roles? You're kind of refiguring that out and saying, okay, you know, where do I volunteer? Um, what does ministry look like? And the fact that everyone within a, a local church or your workplace, they all have these different experiences where, you know, in, in college, mostly everyone's in the same season. So it's easier for you to know your role, but then you go into the workplace or church and there's people with a ton of different experiences and different ages, and they don't all have that same college background. Um, there might be people in your church who are way older than you, but they might not actually be as trained in facilitate a Bible study or how to read the Bible. And so you have to kind of figure out what does ministry look like kind of in the real world. And I think that just took me a couple of years. I tried out a couple of different things, volunteering, and then finally landed in, in where I am today at my church. Um, so I think that's my advice of giving yourself grace. It's going to take time um, and just to expect that your role, if you were a leader, you know, you up until that point, you had done, you know, 12 plus 16 years of, of being a student and you're no longer a student. So it's, it's how do I measure myself if it's not in grades or how do other people see me if it's not being the one, you know, being the, the captain of um, the soccer team, like whatever it is, all of the ways that you used to measure yourself and see your identity for your whole life, they're all just gone. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a really hard transition. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Upward Student Voices podcast. We hope you were challenged, inspired, and motivated to have a deeper understanding of work and faith. To learn more about Upper House, we encourage you to check out www.upperhouse.org for a complete list of events, to know about our fellows and intern programs, and see how you can connect.